You are listening to Get Real Podcast. I am here to remind you that Paul the Apostle warned of the coming of another gospel which we have not preached. He said there is coming another gospel that's going to preach another Jesus. You'll hear his name. It'll sound sweet, but it's not the Jesus that I preach, Paul said. It's not the true Jesus. Paul goes on, or Paul was amazed. He said that you were so removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ to another gospel. Folks, listen to me. There is in the land right now with thousands of people sitting under another gospel, another Jesus, being preached by ministers who have lost the touch of God and been transformed into angels of light to comment to deceive, if possible, even the elect of God. All right, Glenn, over the last few months, um, you and I have done a lot of talking, a lot of things about doctrine, false doctrine, weird things. But we've also done a lot of talking about, uh, remember, goat sentience? Yes. And the the understanding from Nicholas of Cusa and from Rudolf Otto of just how difficult it is for fallen, finite mortals to actually conceive of God in his, his ways or... How was it say as high as the earth, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so higher his ways. I butchered that. Help me. But you know what I'm saying. I know you what know you're that saying. Verse, yep. Right. Yep. So doctrine is super important, but it's also super important to maintain the humility of going like, uh, I don't understand all these mysteries. Right. And they are very much other to me. They are they are from a different place. And when when I read through the scripture and I look and it's got a lot of hard sayings, it's got a lot of uh, difficult subject matter, and there's a temptation to wax anthropomorphic and to try to reshape. Oh no, what God really means is, and you want to call in almost like a. Uh, there's a temptation to call in a branding expert to give God a makeover. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I mean, you know, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And and so you, you can look in the Old Testament or in the New Testament and Jesus will say something and you're like, and honestly, in my heart, I'm like, whoa, he's holy. But I could say, I wish he didn't say it that way. I wish it were easier. I wish it wasn't uh, that narrow. I, I wish that more people than eight had survived on that ark. You know, it's yeah. it's full of hard sayings. It's not built for entertainment. No, it's not. And what you were saying there about giving God the makeover, when you take a look back at the early Gnostics, that's mm-hmm. exactly what they tried to do because they believed that the God of the Old Testament was a different God and the God of the New Testament had to settle that one down. Oh, okay. It's really weird. Well, that temptation is ever since there has been the gospel, there's always been this competition against it because... It's so sublime, it's so beautiful, but the Word of God, I, let's see, I know it's referred to as a hammer, 
a sword, sword. double-edged sword, double-edged sword. It's it usually um, in our modern world. Um, and we're leading into a wonderful guest. I'm super excited oh, this you know, is be awesome. uh, about yeah. today in our modern world, that temptation to what I would consider to vandalize the truth of the word instead of tremble. It, it, it can be there. There's portions of scripture. I thought about it. And the more closely I study it and I put off my feelings, I put off my preconceived notions and I study it. It can be sometimes like somebody punched you right in the solar plexus. Honestly. Yeah. You're like, God, that brings me no pleasure. That is so beyond me. That is so previous to my humanity. This little, I'm just a flitter of something, right? And, and God in his ways, in his choosing, in his sovereignty, in his, it's heavy, man. It's mm-hmm. really heavy. And it's brutal is the way to describe it. It, it is. It's, it's, the word is brutal. It, it, brutal. I, th- I think that's a really good way to describe it. And it, there's another show I'd like to do one time as far as talking about that. But my temptation and my failing very often, and you've known me a long time, we've both, we've walked a doctrinal journey together in different ways, getting out of a cult. And then you're like, what is truth? And you got to kind of learn the Bible all over again. And and then you realize, man, I was so deceived. I was so prideful. Something that I've done over and over again is I get into the wrath of man or the wrath of Dan. The wrath of Dan. Right? <laughs> and and I start becoming very judgmental. And you and I did some programs where we were mentioning, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland, yes. And there's no more glaring example of just pathetic heresy to me. And I could get so quickly in the wrong spirit unless I really meditate on God's sovereignty my frailty, my lack of understanding. And it's hard for me to balance at times to maintain walking in the spirit, speaking truth, not making an excuse for just somebody poisoning the well, like what he does. Mm -hmm. Right. And we speak about that very openly. The guests that we're having on today, I find to be beautifully balanced and and there's no substitute for anointing. That's what I'm no, trying to say. No, there's not. There's there really none. not. No. And and I've seen such a beautiful thing in his ministry of being able to balance, to juxtaposition truth in error, and to just see something so beautiful happen to make it easy to see the things. Sometimes there's that area where we're like, we don't understand all the mysteries of God, the mysteries of election. We don't understand whether there's people that disagree whether or not miracles still happen or whether they don't or whether, you know, and all that's, that's all fair. God made it nebulous, made it a little hard to get, wrap your hand around it. He didn't want you putting it in your lint filled pocket, you know, and storing it away. Oh, like fit, you I'm, own a, it. I'm an expert on all things holy in God now. Exactly. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's always going to betray you in some way that your doctrine is not going to be perfect. But at the same time, there's very explicit times where the apostle Paul would thunder about no, 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 no. This right here, you don't mess with that. You right. don't vandalize that. It may be a, in the face of a hard saying, something that stings, and you feel like God appointed you to be the um, the tone policeman, or, oh, I'm God's Madison Avenue um, marketing makeover advisor. Well, Lord, we invited you in. Feel free to have a Danish, right? <laughs> right. Feel free to, you know, <laughs> and, and you sit there, and you're going to give Jesus just this, you're going to let him know 
how um, all those scary things that he put forward, they need to really be toned down because God, we focus group this and it really didn't do that well, especially in the Bay Area. Right? <laughs> so it just, and it's you, you're going to modernize and make this and make it all secret sensitive, make it whatever you want to make it. And really, you just decided to go anthropomorphic. It's like Plato barbershop time with 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 doctrine, it's, and you you're going to make it what you want to make. It's it. called making an idol. Yes, that's idolatry is what that is in the yes. deepest sense, and that's our that's our tendency, and that's why that's one of the first commandments. Honestly, are you impressed with my use of anthropomorphic, dude? Can you please give a definition of that for everybody? <laughs> for everybody else, um, I'll give you big words, off the man. top of big my words. head. But to morph, think about that is to reshape or to shape like clay. Mm-hmm. And anthro is like men or man. Okay, and so when you have that, you're going to sit there and redo um, what God really means. Okay. He really didn't mean that he um, rose Pharaoh up for his glory, you know, and hardened him for his glory and that he was going to have mercy on who he wanted to have mercy and not everybody was chosen or, and that's like, oh, no, no, that's, and the lump of clay wants to rise up off of the the spinning potter's wheel and go, God, just sec, you know. I really want to give you some advice here. And we yeah. want to do that, yeah, we Glenn. Do. We have we that. And I think any Christian or anybody, you're not honest. If, if if it just strikes you that, yeah, man, he killed everybody but eight people. Right on, God. You know, no, that didn't flow out of me. That's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. I feel bad if I run over a possum, right? And they're creepy. They yeah. are creepy things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and even then I have to go, oh, okay. So I'm sitting there like an emperor, right? I'm going to thumbs up. Well, the possum shall live. But if it's a little more creepy looking than a possum, I'm like, oh, I don't mind if I run over it because of cuteness. Yeah, exactly. How perverse or weird is that? That is weird. It's <laughs> weird. So I'll it, think about that the next time I want to kill a spider. Yeah. You're yeah. like a spider. I hate you shall spiders. die. Cute bunny rabbit. You shall live. <laughs> Think about it, Glenn. Yeah. We're we're very interesting and emotional creatures. We are like this this burrito of cognitive dissonance we we it's not really that thought out but we think we're very logical so we're going to set god straight on what the king of all kings shall do on the way that he shall present himself but you know what i love the scripture is just like it brutal is the word mm-hmm. I, I thought about this i used to be like there's some pretty scary stuff in the scripture and then as i grew in the lord and learned more i was like whoa some of the stuff in scripture is the scariest things on earth and none of those brutal things are on any of the precious moments not calendars or none of <laughs> they're them. not in that section of the gift shop uh. <laughs> and then thirdly then finally like now i'm like listen the topics in scripture i actually did this glenn i've been studying and i look to try to find things that would unsettle the human psyche more than the truths that are in holy scripture there is not a close second. The things that are in Scripture, damnation, hellfire, there's other components of that in other religions, some of them, I think, taken from Scripture. Mm-hmm. But the the nuance, the um, it's very articulate. It's intelligently set forth. It's not fanciful. If you tell me that, oh, earthquakes are the elephants under the 
holding the earth up, shaking themselves. That's fanciful, right? right? It doesn't strike fear into my heart. But you begin describing a vessel of wrath fit for destruction. You begin describing to me the great white throne judgment and and the way the Ten Commandments and guilt, it fits. It it fits. It resonates as real truth. It's it's like if um, the bride of Chucky... <laughs> if you go see that movie and you're like laughing the whole time, yeah, it's kind of funny, yeah. right? But there's something about maybe uh, Hannibal Lecter that's like, whoa, that's a little more. Um, and I'm not pushing bad movies, <laughs> all right? No, what you're doing is you're taking the logos from those movies. Okay. Well, think about it. Yeah. What's more, what is scarier? What resonates more about this Hannibal Lecter character? That's this calm and articulate professor. That's a cannibal, right? Or this Chucky thing that's ridiculous the whole time, okay? One of them is putting something forward with this elaborate um, character. It's, it's doing all this. It's nuanced. It's balanced. It's articulate. It's moving. When I read the scripture as a whole, it is so thorough. It is so succinct. It's so beautiful. It's so terrifying it doesn't just say that like in the epic of gilgamesh that uh the gods were annoyed that it was so noisy down here no it talks about the wrath of god it talks about the specific type of wood that it was layered with pitch on the inside and Mm -hmm. on the outside that the fountains of the great deep were broken up it's very specific so what it boils down to dan and what you're saying is we are living in an age where the gospel has been twisted in a lot of ways it's a perverted generation as jesus says in the scripture we've talked about this before that when jesus talks about a wicked and perverse generation that perversion is a distorted image of god and the ministry that we're going to be talking to in a few minutes of what shall i cry ministries donnie layman who is uh he is that ministry as a matter of fact He has a very special calling, and what he does is, I would call it a ministry of juxtaposition. Yeah. What he does is he takes the silly backdrop that we have of the falling away, the apostasy, the perversion that we have right now, and just simply compares it to what truth is from Scripture and from, from preachers and Bible teachers that are grounded in truth. So what I'd like to do before we interview him, I'd like to give our listeners a taste of what he does ministerially. This kind of reminds me a lot in a way of Mystery Science Theater 3000 yeah, or 2000, yeah. whatever that was. Okay, <laughs> The way that he does this, this is absolutely precious. So I'm going to let our listeners take a listen to a clip that he did on Morgan Schuler and the Christian Doctrine of Breakthrough. I thought that'd be appropriate beginning of this year because everybody's talking about breakthrough right now. So this is Donnie Lehman from What Shall I Cry Ministries and his video on YouTube. It's Morgan Schuler and the Christian Doctrine of Breakthrough. Can I ask you a question? Have you had your breakthrough? If you haven't, are you sure you're a Christian? Because Christians get breakthroughs. It's a fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith. Here's a little self-assessment checklist to determine if you're in the faith. Have you been forgiven of your sins? Check. Have you had Christ's righteousness imputed to your account? Check. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Check. Are you being sanctified into the image of Christ? Check. Have you had your breakthrough? No. Sorry, but you might not be a Christian. 
Now, that sounds ludicrous, but if you listen to a lot of preachers today, it's a reasonable deduction. Christians get breakthroughs. It's axiomatic. Birds catch worms. Cops catch criminals. Christians catch breakthroughs. But what do they mean by breakthrough, and is it taught anywhere in the New Testament? We'll try to answer those questions today as we examine Pastor Morgan Schuler's sermon, The Right Crew. Has anybody ever been stuck at a red light for eternity, it felt like, right? Oh, pick me! Oh, I know! I know me! Me! You're driving, just going about your business, you know, doing, you know, just doing everything, and then all of a sudden, red light. Red light? What is this crazy talk? I've never stopped at a red light before. Perhaps you could explain this alien concept to us. Right, well... The other night I was at a red light, got stuck, long day at, you know, just the ministry center. I'm driving home and I just stop at this red light. You know, I make my approach, I brake slowly so I don't mess up my brakes. You know, Pastor Austin tells me that if I hit the brakes too hard, it'll run those out. So um, husband tips, you know, you got to love those. So God can ordain men to give brake maintenance advice, but he can ordain men to preach his word. Okay. So I stop at the red light and all of a sudden I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. And this light turns green. This one turns green. The one above me turns green. And the one in front of me stays red. And I'm like, okay. Ah, so they change colors, these traffic lights of which you speak. And I'm guessing red means stop and green means go. But they don't all turn green at the same time. I think I'm getting the picture. Whoever said theology was difficult. I kind of like peer around like there's nobody else on the road. I am the only one. I do a quick little look behind me. Nobody's there. And there's this little soft voice in my head that's like, just play it cool. Be patient. The light is going to change. And there's this like other side of me that's chanting, run it, run it, run it. My shoulder angel. Don't listen to that guy. Right? Has anyone ever had that conversation in your head before? Yes. Yeah, so as much as I would love to say that I followed that still small voice, no, I put that pedal to the metal and I was out of there. I'm like, bye. Okay. So then later, like about a week later, Austin checks the mail <laughs> and he's like looking at this letter and he gets this face whenever like he doesn't like something and it's like, he like brings it closer to him, like it's gonna help him. It's gonna, the words are gonna rearrange themselves on the paper. He brings it closer. He's like, did you run a red light? I was like, did I what? No. Okay, wait a second. Yeah, let me see that. I did, I'm sorry. Okay, so I got a ticket, right? How many of you have ever made a mistake whenever you were by yourself and you wish you could take that decision back, right? Oh, pick me. Oh, I know, I know me, me. Well, tonight, I'm here to tell you that the breakthrough you are waiting for is connected to the people that you are connected to. So the breakthrough or the green light that I'm waiting for is connected to the people that I'm connected to. I think I've got it. Like if you're waiting at a red light at one of those intersections that has the vehicle sensors in the street, you won't get a green light until another car pulls up to the intersection and triggers the sensor. So what you think is opposition is actually the catalyst that will bring your green light into your life. The, the Bible is easy.
All right. Well, Glenn, we, we did some talk and I'm very excited about the guest that we have today. Several months ago, I started following a YouTube channel called What Shall I Cry Ministries. And I was blown away by different aspects of it. And we actually have the head of that ministry with we, us today. Yes, we do. Can you introduce and get this thing rolling? Yes, we have Donnie from What Shall I Cry Ministries. And for those of our listeners that have not come in contact with this ministry yet, we highly encourage you to go to YouTube and check this out, especially after this edition. But Donnie, can you tell us about What Shall I Cry Ministries is? Well, um, you know, I guess, first of all, um, the name, uh, What Shall I Cry Ministries, um, it's taken from uh, Isaiah 40, where Isaiah says, a voice said, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? There's a lot of people crying out today. They're they're preaching, they're proclaiming, and it's, it's all over YouTube. God says, preach, and people just seem to just preach, and they don't ask the most important question is, what, what should I be preaching? You know, I, Isaiah was one of the most eloquent and poetic of all the prophets. He had a gift of, uh, of, of language, but when when he encountered God, the first thing he says is, well, unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. So he's asking the question from a place of, of inability. You know, God says, cry, and he's, here I am, a man of unclean lips. What can I cry? That's a, a question that he asked God, and God answers the question. He goes on in Isaiah 40 to tell him that he is going to proclaim God's own word, that God is going to speak the words, and then Isaiah is going to um, speak God's words, not his own unclean words, but God's word. Then he gives Isaiah a prophecy uh, to proclaim regarding the salvation of Israel, the coming Messiah, the you know the the gospel. So I, I guess the the purpose of the ministry is to define what is to be cried. We know we're to cry. We know we're to preach. But what exactly are we supposed to preach? And and to determine that by God's own word. So what you're saying is that when we preach, and I want everybody to understand this, when we preach, we should be preaching what God desires us to preach, and not what we want to preach or make God look out to be. Yes, exactly. I mean, God told Isaiah, I'm going to give you the words to preach. When I got saved, God gave me a, a zeal for his word. I, I became uh, in love with his word. And I, it surprises me that other preachers and even many Christians don't seem to have this this love. We're, we're to be in love with his word, not with some preacher or some personality. And, and, and it's my purpose, I believe, to be able to teach people to discern the difference between the two, between a personality and what God has is, is actually said. And even me, myself, I, I can't say anything to do anybody any good. My words are not life. My words are unclean, just like Isaiah's. But, you know, God's word is life. Jesus said his word is our spirit and they are life. And I just want people to listen, to be able to tell the difference between what, what a man says and what God says, and it's it's very hard. It can be with the influence and, and just the proliferation of all the crying out mm. to distinguish between the two, between what God says and what man says. And uh, that's I just I want people to fall in love with the word. I want them to fall in love with God's truth and to be able to protect themselves from what a man says. If, if I explained that correctly, you <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah. I, no, that's beautiful. Yeah, totally, totally. And the way that you do that on the internet, especially on YouTube, is just so clever, is, is the way that I can put it. When you <laughs> juxtapose one preacher preaching one thing and somebody else preaching the same thing, you put the two together 
And one of the things that Dan and I have all often said, you know, the Bible talks about, yes, there will be a great falling away. There will be a great apostasy from the truth. People will fall out of love with the truth. They'll want to basically run to their own thing. So you put a preacher up who's preaching scriptural, biblical truth and juxtapose it with somebody who's preaching the same thing, but they're just all over the place. It's really got nothing to do with the word at all. And you don't really say very much. You just let it speak for itself uh, in the way that that's done. You don't have to do much work except for for putting those two together. It's amazing. I've appreciated it for months. I've followed. I I watched the videos. I watched the different ones. I love one of my favorites of yours got taken down, I think, for a copyright strike. (laughs) But it was so powerful. And just it's unbelievable to hear you described your heart as you got saved, you had a revelation of the holy. Like Isaiah, you come out going, what shall I cry? And the people that you'll have on there are people that didn't ask that. That, <laughs> right, right. that you would think that right. would come without saying that, oh, before I go and preach to the congregation, but everybody's ready to jump into some some humanizing um, just nonsense. And then when you put it beside somebody that actually did that heart cry, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's yeah. it's right. such an amazing revelation because there's a lot of noise right. on YouTube, you know. Right. There's right. a lot of right. noise everywhere. And Donnie, right. one of the things that as I've been watching your ministry and preparing for this edition of the podcast, it takes me back to Elijah on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Ashtaroth. Right. Yeah. right. Where it's like, okay, you guys set up your altar over here, uh, knock yourselves out, go and do it, and let's see what happens. And then when you're all done and tired, you know, I'll set up mine. And you know what? I'm gonna throw some water on mine too to make it even more impossible for the fire of the Lord to to consume it. And what becomes really interesting during this whole account of Elijah with with the prophets of Baal is they're getting nowhere so he just sits there and starts gently kind of mocking them a little bit and they because they're acting ridiculous they're jumping up and down they're cutting themselves they start jumping up and down on the sacrifice now if you think about that for a minute if the fire of Baal did hit they would have gotten fried (laughs) with it okay so it becomes really ridiculous and then he's like hey um you know you might want to be a little bit louder because he's probably talking right now (laughs) and um and that word talking is more kind of like babbling and then it right, talks about, right. well, he's maybe he is pursuing right now. And if you go back in the Hebrew and take a look at that, that means kind of like maybe he's indisposed in the bathroom right now and a little bit busy. Um, <laughs> right, and right, then, right, oh, wait a right. minute, maybe he's on a journey right now. Maybe he's on vacation. So, yeah, just keep knocking, just get his attention. And then he stands up. It, you had the contrast there of the truth versus the lie. And then when the truth became apparent, Bam! There, there it was, and I, I see that as exactly what you're doing. It's like an Elijah type ministry on Mount Carmel, and I've always loved that account well, in Scripture. Yeah, no, it's well, beautiful. and it's it's like the because um, I get accused of that a lot of I shouldn't use sarcasm and things like that, but you know I, I'm using something ridiculous to show how ridiculous something <laughs> is. You know what I mean? I love it. I love and, it, <laughs> and it's it's like. I mean, we're supposed to love all people, but when you're talking about false teachers, it's it's a different category. I mean, God doesn't tell us to to pray for them and to love them and to be their buddies. You know, He says to expose them and yes. call them out. And if and some people, unfortunately, Christians, they need sort of a slap in the face in that regard. They need some kind of a ridiculous counterclaim. You know, Jesus did that too. In a lot of the teaching, it's, it's you'd, you'd expose how ridiculous a belief is by 
uh, presenting a ridiculous uh, scenario or paradigm or something like that, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to keep my flesh away from that because I like the <laughs> sort of the, the, the payoff. Who doesn't? But, but I mean, that's where the struggle is. Just trying, am I doing this because I want to like good laugh? Or am I doing this because it really serves that purpose, you know? Well, Glenn and I were talking before we got you on, and I part of what I really appreciate about the way that you do it is it actually comes across very humble. It actually comes across very balanced. And, and even... <laughs> I have two more fools. <laughs> no. We're deceived. No, it really does, because I was saying that for me, I, I could get... Okay, YouTube is full of other people talking about people's error all over. Any preacher right, you right. pick, you're going to have somebody ripping them to shreds. But the way they do it is like in this angry nerd, I'm the exclusive holder of truth, yes. arrogance. You don't come across right. that way. It's very apparent that things, certain things are just worthy of mockery. I can't. Kenneth Copeland does not need for me to go, well, he, what he really meant? What? No, he's completely in heresy. He's, he's just asking for it. I mean, <laughs> he is. Really a favor, you know? And he gets it, I think. I, I think it's a ruse. I, I don't, I don't take yeah. him seriously. I, you know, yeah. whatever. But, and I don't think God is going to go, you were a little harsh on Copeland. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. But I don't hear a venom. I hear, that humility that you're like, God, what shall I cry? And then you put these wonderful anointed men of God, and then you put them beside these people, and you couldn't call them out as buffoons yeah. as badly as that. It's just you highlighted them as a buffoon. It's so unbelievably effective. And then when you're doing that, you inject video clips of the Swedish chef from The Muppet Show. I mean, I'm like, this is awesome. Well, <laughs> you speak you know, my like, language. I, it's, it really is the easiest just to do the kind of uh, where I just put the two messages together. And and that's what it is. I mean, the, the it's not really – I'm redoing the whole format where I don't present it as this man versus this man. I want to present it as these two men versus this text of Scripture because that's the that's the objective standard, right? Yes. But people say, oh, you couldn't put, put them against each other. And I'm like, well, they're only against each other as it relates to the objective standard of, of Scripture. So, I mean, that that's the easiest for me to do because I don't have to I don't have to say or think or really do anything. Um, but sometimes one of the preachers will be doing such a weird twisting and such a dangerous twisting that I feel like the other preacher who I mean, neither one of these guys know what I'm doing. So they're not responding to each other in that sense. But because this heretic left such a dangerous thing dangling out there, some perversion of Scripture, it's not addressed in the other the, the sound preacher's sermon, I feel like I can't just leave that up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean so I'll I'll take the, the heretic and then I will explain in detail why this is wrong. I mean, to show how one preacher only talks about you and the other preacher talks about Jesus, that's pretty self-evident. But when there's a, like a dangerous doctrine, I feel like you, you can't just leave that out there without an explanation. <laughs> you know absolutely, what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what else it does to me? is it'll show like the emperor has no clothes kind of like why do people buy right. all this guy's books right, right? his books are right. basically whenever you come to a closed door 
Jesus wants to open that door <gasps> for you. Yay! And then the crowd goes wild. <laughs> and then you'll have like, you know, uh, General MacArthur, as I like to refer to. You have like John MacArthur on there talking about like the vicarious substitutionary atonement and the beautiful pearl of great price and the joy of true right. salvation being washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. You've got that. And then you have this guy preaching this 37 IQ message that makes no right. sense. Why should you have a stadium? Why are people buying the books? Right. I don't understand right. it, Donnie, but I love what you do, yeah. man. I do Well, I laugh. mean, that gives me hope, though, you know, because I'm like, well, in a weird kind of a backward affirmation, it kind of shows that, I mean, the truth is not popular, you know? Yeah, that's true. So it's sort of a, an affirmation of, of prophecy in, in a sense. <laughs> How is it that you stay in that place of humility when you do this? Because you were just talking about a few seconds ago, you know, is this my flesh really just wanting to have a good time and get some <laughs> chuckles or, you know, how do you do that? Because Dan and I, we've, we've been there where it's like, oh man, this is so funny, but it was so bad because we were in the flesh. And there are some episodes of the Get Real podcast that will never see the light of day. And we were so off. <laughs> So how do you do that? Because it's like you got this sense of humility, yet the truth comes out. And at the same time, it is it is funny because unfortunately, well, a lot of Christians are afraid to be funny. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's 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 always funny to me because I get that a lot. and People are like, you know, the thing I like about you is you're just so humble. And I'm like, could you could you say that again? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, you know, I do work with the I've done work with the homeless for several years, and people just, oh, you're just so humble. You just get in there and you work. Like, you you don't really know me. You know, it's like uh, up here in New York where I live. They're all like, you know what I love about people from the South? They're so friendly. And I'm like, that's because you don't know any of them. You know? <laughs> and. But I mean, it is hard to say humble and it's hard because of our, our prideful flesh. You know, somebody will give me a compliment on YouTube like, hey, you know, you're so smart and just you're so devoted to God's word. And I'll be like, you know, if you only knew how much of an idiot I am <laughs> and how I, I scorn God's word at times. I mean, we mm -hmm. all do. Oh, man. We, we're like, no, no, thanks, God. You know, yeah. just like any other person. Yeah. But other times I'll read those compliments and I'll be like, you know, you know, I am smart and I am <laughs> devoted to God's word and, and doggone it. People do like, me. <laughs> but you know, God actually takes care of that by chopping me down to size. Oh, you know? I mean, sometimes he'll, he'll really just show me that, you know, you really are an idiot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, God takes care of me and, uh, you know, he doesn't want me to be prideful, and so he doesn't let me be prideful. You know, uh, one way or another, he's conforming me into Christ's image. And so if I come across as, as humble, it's because it's the humility of Christ that the God has imputed to me. You know, it's nothing. It's not me for sure. <laughs> well, I, there's something that resonates in just kind of the uh, the beauty of humble obedience. It's like when I, I think when I hear your ministry, I, I was very touched by several of the videos. One of them where you were showing the backpack thing and you were talking about that. I, we do want to ask you if whatever you're comfortable with sharing, I, I realize you um, like to deal with that in a balanced way as far as not, you're not showing off, you know, but you're authentically right. ministering and loving to people that need it. And you're doing that, that, that humble point of you get it, that it's all going to be God 
through me. I'm just being obedient right. to what he wants me right. to say. He commands uh, certain things about dealing with the poor and the needy and, and this guy. And, and if he didn't have shoes or socks and, and this guy's going to need warm socks in, in, in New York. And you're going and you're meeting that need in the name of Christ. And there's a beautiful, humble obedience that just resonates with what you do, with the videos, with the humor, right. with everything. You don't take yourself that seriously, kind of, in that humility, but you're like, you do take being obedient to the Lord humbly very seriously, and right. that comes through. Right. And that's, I watched that one video where you teared up about your testimony, and I said, Glenn, oh, yeah. I want to just... call him. I want him <laughs> on this program. And I love that because it was it was just real. You know, it was right. real. It was like you had a testimony, and and I do want to hear about uh, some of your testimony, how you came to the Lord. I'm from the South. Glenn's from the North. I lost a lot of my accent, but where are you? Fr- <laughs> where are you from, by the way? I'm from uh, I'm from Tennessee, East okay. Tennessee. Okay. And I did want to say real quick because this goes back to what we were talking about before. I like these um, these videos people post of, hey, look at me, I'm helping the homeless. You know. Right. So I mean, I've been doing the backpack ministry for about seven years now and i've never done that i mean i'll i just i don't didn't really want to do it but i got so tired of people saying hey you know instead of just sitting around criticizing people why don't you go help the poor so in a way it was my own pride speaking out that i can say to these people (laughs) hey i do help the poor you know what i mean so 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 even that i'm like was that was that really me just trying to silence all these people or or is that really to the glory of god And, and that's that's you know in our flesh we have to question that all the time god why am i doing this you know yeah yeah fix fix my motives you know so yeah i'm i'm uh i'm from east tennessee and i live in i live in long island now so it's like moving from uh well, you know, any normal place in the world to uh, Uranus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what planet are you from? You know, I like I, the guy. The guy in the speech speaking some ancient, you know, Aramaic dialect. <laughs> only eight people in the world speak, and they're like, "It's not <laughs> weird at all." Why does this guy say these weird words? So, Donnie, in your ministry, where you demonstrate where error is, looking back in your own life, and I, I'm speaking from Dan and I's personal experience as well. We look back and see where we were walking in error too. Yikes! Were there any any times in your walk with the Lord where you look back, you're like, "Oh yeah, I was I was really off there." I mean, I just I'll just go ahead and give you my my testimony. Yes. There's yeah, there's, was, there's some yeah. of that in there. Um, you know, I got saved when I was eight years old, just like every good Southern Baptist. You know, <laughs> now when I say got saved, I'm using the little quote signs with my fingers, though you can't see them. I saw them. Uh, okay, <laughs> and then that yeah, was on was, the. Six verse of just as, as, as I, I am. am. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It couldn't have been on the third thing, though. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was raised in church. I mean, my fa- my family was a devout Christian family. My father was a deacon. I read the Bible every day. And then one night, a, um, I was eight years old, and a visiting evangelist came and preached a revival. And, and at the end of the service, he said, um, anyone who wants to go to heaven should come up to the front. And I mean, who don't want to go to heaven, you know? So I came and he led me in a little prayer and I got, you know, I remember crying and people coming around and hugging me and shaking my hand and, and I was saved, you know, again with the, with the quotes. And I, I mean, I feel uncomfortable even saying that because not trying to talk bad about the evangelist or the little church where I grew up in. I don't think it was like any malicious intent or anything. I just, I mean, I just talk it up to biblical ignorance, which Again, is the main thing that this ministry is uh, is concerned with. But 
But anyway, you know, at eight years old, I said a little prayer and then I got saved. And then I kept doing what I was doing, going to church, reading my Bible, Bible of being a, a good Christian, you know, as, as good as a little kid can be. But, uh, you know, when, when I started high school, I discovered girls. And then all of a sudden, all this uh, Bible stuff and Christianity that it so <laughs> appealing. And, uh, yeah, I started drinking. I started doing drugs. I started getting in all kinds of trouble. And, story short, I didn't graduate high school. I had to go back and get my uh, diploma later. I ran away from home, joined the Army, got out of the Army, arrested for selling drugs, and and all this by the time I was 20, you know. But what's strange is that through all this, I actually thought I was saved. I mean, I'd be in, in like in the lowest dregs of depravity. I mean, doing things that are that are too unseemly to even like allude to it. I'd think, well, you know, at least you're saved. You might be doing this, but you know, at least you're going to heaven. I'd tell myself, you know, you said the prayer when you were eight years old and the, the preacher said you were going to heaven no matter what. But so then I'd think, what if, what if I'm not saved? And then I'd say, but uh, the preacher had you say a prayer, remember? And then I'd say, yeah, but what if it wasn't the right prayer? I mean, what if I missed a word? What, what did you pray exactly? You know, you were eight years old. So I decided I would straighten myself out, I'd settle down, I'd get married, I'd have kids, I'd start going to church again, and and that's what I did. I got married, I had a son, I joined a church, I got a decent job, and tried to straighten myself out, tried to live the Christian life, and I even preached, you know, for a while, but that only lasted for about three or four years, and as it turned out, I wasn't able to rehabilitate myself. So, <laughs> and then I met a girl from New York. She was as big a sinner as I was. She was a heavy drinker, too. Uh, our marriage was, was ugly. And, you know, we separated often. And one day, uh, six years ago, um, she decided she wanted to start going to church. And she wanted me to come with her. So I told her that I would, but that I didn't want to go to one of those casual skinny jeans coffee bar kinds of churches. <laughs> I wanted to go to a real church with the hard pews and the boring hymns and the long-winded preacher because I said, you know, if I'm going to have to suffer, I want to suffer through the real thing. You know? <laughs> and uh, so she picked out a church that was the exact opposite of that. <laughs> it was it was the casual kind of skinny jeans kind of a church. But I said it would go. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, it was, it was long on hospitality and mission, but short on substance. But I said I would go. You know, the gospel was preached, but only minimally, like a bare minimum gospel. And But that really started appealing to me again, this, this Christian life. I thought it was presented to me in this whole other paradigm. I thought this Christian life isn't what I thought it was, you know. You can be a Christian without actually sacrificing anything. You could be a Christian without suffering any consequences. So again, I decided to be a Christian. Then, so I was coming to church. I was volunteering. I was helping out with the coffee. I was doing stuff. And did you get thinking, any skinny I'm, jeans? I'm, I did not. No. <laughs> you know, I'm lucky. I'm very tall, so I'm lucky if I got jeans that you know come down to my <laughs> shoes. <laughs> but there was there was one Sunday morning. I don't even remember what the message was about. But the preacher ended by inviting anyone who would like to come up to pray with him to come and, and pray. They didn't do altar calls there, but this, so this was kind of strange. He said he was going to pray about something, and anybody who wanted to pray with him should come up and pray with him. And so he knelt down up there and was praying. And I thought <clears throat> that must seem that must feel weird to be up there and 
inviting people to come up and pray with you. He's like in this vulnerable place, you know, and nobody's coming. So I thought I'll go up there and, and, and kneel down and, and pray with it. And I went up there and knelt down and, you know, God just like hit me upside the head. I don't know any other way to describe it. He hit me upside the head with his word, with, with the gospel. He showed me who I was. He showed me who he is. He, he showed me his son. And I don't even remember what I prayed, you know, but I know that at that moment he saved me and he converted me through the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he changed a sinner into a son. So that's my, I mean, that's my conversion experience, I guess. And from, from that point on, there was trouble between me and that church because, uh, you know, I just started all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, some of these things are not right, you know, and there's a lot of conflict. But in a Southern Baptist, it almost sounds like sacrilege to say I wasn't saved when I was eight years old, but I really don't believe God saved me until that moment in that church when I was on my knees and he just presented his son to me and his gospel. And, and uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. I know it's not as as, as cut and dry as some stories, but... Yeah. Uh, no, that's wonderful. One of that's the, all I got. Yeah, one of the things that's really refreshing there um, is that you came to that realization and you did not hold on to what you were had from the past. You didn't hold on to that moment of when you were eight. You were humble enough to say, wait a minute, that might not have been it. There's a lot of people today walking, I would say, in a deception. Well, yeah, I, I said that prayer when I was eight, so I'm, I'm good to go when they right, really never right. had that encounter with God. And that's the key is that nobody can come to the cross unless you first come to Sinai and see where you are before the Lord, right? That you right. are undone and that he is holy. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I just, every testimony has got that aspect of when you, when you see that you responded to him revealing something to you in his time, right. you know, he, he drew right. you in that, that manner. It, it seems you went over here, you went there there was some drawing going on, you know, and then God's like, no, you, you come on. It's, yeah, that's beautiful. That is. That's beautiful. It also shows. And I think if I could, uh, it, I mean, one thing I remember from that moment is God making that very clear to me that, uh, and cause when he speaks to me, he uses a Southern accent <laughs> and he's like, uh, I, I mean, when I say spoke to me, I mean, you know, it's just like an impression or just like, yeah. like, boy, can you not see what I've done? Like I've done all this mess, this whole thing. Not that he's responsible for the mess, but I have been in control the whole time, and this whole thing is is leaded up to this moment. Uh, you know what I mean? And yeah. It was just very, very compelling and and, and beautiful, and uh, I wish I could describe it in, in words better. Well, you know, it's all in his timing. So, right, salvation right, is right. in his timing. It's not like you can wake up in the morning and say, "Hey, God, I think I want to be saved today." That sounds like something I want to do, or you feel just right. that little bit of sorrow, like, oh, maybe this will make my life better. I remember at one point in my life, I must've been seven or eight and I was watching TV and they were like, if you want to get saved, say this prayer. And I remember praying that, but it did nothing for me. Right. It did right. nothing. Well, it's not an incantation, you know, it's yeah. so much like incantation and, and charismatic churches and yeah. word of faith and all that. And I don't know. I don't want to get started on that. No, I, no. I hear you. It, it puts it under the auspices of your personal control. Yes. That right. I'm going right. to speak this magic statement and then right. I shall be part of the kingdom of God instead right. of, and even it's the birthplace of that, that uh, literally of that, that humility that we were talking about before about, I don't have anything that can do that to another person. I cannot propagate this 
without the Holy Ghost doing what he does to someone else. It's not something right. I can be like, hey, kids, you want to burn? You know? Right. And then all yeah. the, the kindergartners run forward. It's like, is of that evangelism? Yeah. Or if I take a sword and say like, okay, if you don't recant of, of this false religion, um, we're going to kill you. So everybody line up and wow, what an evangelist. You know, right? Thousands right. got saved. Right. Crusade. <laughs> right. I put another yeah. another hundred notches on my Bible because I'm that good. You know, it's like yeah. no, I'm not yeah. that good. Is that why they call those big events crusades? Think about that for a minute. Yeah, that oh, Glenn, Glenn. Oh, I'm little, thinking little, little, something going on uh -oh, there. Warning, well, I'm thinking. Donnie, we're totally yeah. on the same wavelength. I grew up mostly Southern Baptist churches, and it's not that I knock them. There's some of them that are you know fine. And then I went kind of charismaniac for a while. I went into a lot of different different areas but that original thing of what happened when i walked an aisle at probably around the same age i think i was in fourth grade and then later on in, when i became a teenager and then i got real conviction and i began reading the word on my own and i believe i got saved and then i got in a cult that was it was a born-again cult it wasn't like a cult cult like with right. false gospel but it was like control your life Right. Dictate right. everything that you're doing. And it was a real stumbling right. block for both of us. But then eventually I'm like, whoa, he is so sovereign. And right. and I take right. that into ministry. If I'm talking to somebody about the Lord, I'm like, the Holy Ghost has got to do it. Oh, God, wh what shall I cry? That's a beautiful. It I love beautiful. that name for your ministry. That's cool. It it's is. really cool. Well, I got it from uh, the Bible. So I can't. <laughs> 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 what you've been that's why and when somebody people mock the name sometimes like what shall i cry you need to be crying blah 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 and i'm like that's actually in the bible it's over here so i'm a little, I'm a little nervous about mocking it so. <laughs> hey let me ask you do you have a favorite uh book or chapter in the scripture you sound just really in love and zealous about the word or, or is there somewhere you're camping out lately or what what, what do you oh uh, romans 8 i read it mm. all the time and, and teaching and it's just i mean i think it was martin lord lloyd jones called it the greatest chapter in the bible yeah and it just keeps coming up in this ministry like um because so much is purpose driven you know purpose 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 well let's let's stop and think about what the bible says our purpose is because it does say that very clearly yes when it comes to issues of, of humility or right back to romans 8 god is doing all this work he's working all things even my idiocy you know, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but Romans 8 just keeps popping up. And uh, I hope people never get tired of hearing it. And if they do get tired of hearing it, then, you know, they got problems beyond what anything I'm doing. Yeah, that is like the supreme nugget. Yeah. It's like that that particular part I was listening to. What is the ministry that... Uh, Ligonier. Ligonier. Um, Glenn and I right. subscribe to Ligonier uh, Ministries, and we can go online and like listen to all those great sermons and all that different stuff. And the one about Romans 8, I think he says that. And I've listened to that one, I think, probably 10 times. And I love it. It goes... Because that that's one of those things that if you look of, over all the religions... All the sex, all the um, ideologies of the whole entire world, there's nothing like Romans chapter 8. That is the only one that is so self-authenticating, going, ooh, ooh, right here. And it's like, this is the most beautiful and most sublime thing in the universe right here. This is it. This is what God did um, for us and in his heart towards us. And it can't be really, it, it can't be taken out of context. It can't be twisted. And I think that's why most preachers don't want to touch it 
I mean, why they don't want to touch most of the epistles is because you can't twist epistles. I mean, you can twist Old Testament narratives, but I mean, you know, epistles pretty much say what they say, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, you can just read that and that preaches right there. No, no. Oh, further I saw explanation. a clip of uh, John Piper. He just read Romans 8, the whole chapter. I think that was the whole sermon. He just, and you know, he has a very dramatic voice. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was moved to tears just from him reading the text. You yeah, know? yeah. Mic drop after that. Boom. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah. But there's a humility in even doing that. What am I going to add right. to this? If if God right. said, you know what, you should cry, just read read the book. You know, yeah. you're like, yes, sir. Right. right. You, know, you know what? Because there is something. The whole perversion of emphasis of heresy. You will listen, and the whole time they're like, oh, get to the good part. Get to the good part. Get to the good part. The good right, part is right. never Romans chapter 8. It's always, right. yeah, God's got that special someone he's going to bring into my life. He's got that breakthrough. Right. I'm going to get that right. promotion that. and raise. And I love it when they they go into all these nebulous, like, marketing, just yeah. blah concepts, and you're right. like, that's right. not in the Bible. <laughs> right. Donnie's, right. Like, Donnie's like, you pause it, and then you're like, that's in the Bible, <laughs> not, you know, or something, and then it right. You keep playing it, and then it's so clear that that's not in the Bible. And listen, <laughs> I would much rather have that wonder. Oh, eternal life? Yeah, I'm not really in the mood for that. You know, that's a little bit of a downer. Him being yeah. turning into to sin for me, or you know, and taking my sin upon him. Nah, you know what? I really I want to get that extra fifty dollars a week on my paycheck. Oh, yeah. That's what that's I'm what sowing seed for. Right. And I'm like, uh, no, I'll take eternity. <laughs> Yeah, you know? right. Like that—that's clear. So, if the person doesn't see that how ridiculous that is. It's because they don't have it, you know. That's because right. a, a fleshly okay. person would prefer the fifty dollars extra on their paycheck <laughs> as opposed to the righteousness of Christ, you know. So, yeah, I mean, God's given me. I mean, my sense of humor is what it is. My daughter says, I mean, it's a very sardonic sense of humor. <laughs> My daughter tells me I'm an expatriated Brit because it's very, you know, just kind of that British kind of rise sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I do believe, you know, that, that God uses who he uses. And I just I, I try to I just try to keep myself out of the way and, and use whatever I have to his glory. And 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 it hits me, too. You know, like, I don't know, like how many times it's very painful to watch. I mean, to love God's word as much as I do, to sit through this mess of it's, I mean, it brings me to tears really because, I mean, I, I don't worship the word of God, obviously, but it's, I'm passionate about it. It's, it's, it's precious to me. And to listen to what they say is almost like, well, in, in many ways, it's like listening to them run down your wife or, or something like that. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It really, it really hurts you, you know? Yeah. And so I don't know. I just do the best I can. <laughs> what it's a, I mean, I try to have real reactions. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and uh, not that not that that saves anybody in my personality or whatever. But you know, I try to just let it hit me the way it it hits me. Uh, you know what I mean? That definitely comes through. And I'm amazed at the chutzpah. Okay, that's, that's a good way to put is, it. Is that like some probably <laughs> profane Yiddish word? You know, <laughs> you know what it is. But I'm amazed at at the chutzpah that and presumption. That some of these teachers, if you, in quotes, I think you saw those quotes coming through the air. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, uh, that they get up there and they're like, 
It would be like me going and seeing an art exhibit and seeing the Mona Lisa and then like holding my mouth right, pulling out a Sharpie and going like, I took an eighth grade art class and going up there and correcting the Mona Lisa. Okay. People would want to, they'd want to chop my head off if I did that and and defiled a work of art. But people will walk right up. Those guys will open it up and they're like, we're going to teach about breakthrough. And then, like, right. yeah, I remember one of them, I think it was Furtick or somebody up in, in uh, North Carolina, and he was, like, talking about somebody, uh, Jesus is knocking at the door. That may have been Osteen. I, I don't know which one, but it was, like, it had nothing to do with a breakthrough. He was at the right. door. He had risen from the dead. He was knocking on right. the door. Yes, I remember that. Story. Yeah, yes. and then they started yes. talking about it, and I'm like, you were walking up to the Mona Lisa, and you really think that you're all of that. You're looking at a holy God. You're looking at his word and at the gospel. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to vandalize it. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm telling you, right. I wouldn't change places on Judgment Day with somebody that does that for all the tea in China. Well, it's it's yeah. terrifying. Well, no. And, and, you know, the Apostle Paul, who, I mean, what else can you say about the Apostle Paul? Well, in Acts ten twenty six, Paul said that he's innocent of the blood of all men because he never failed to preach the full counsel of God. Wow! Uh, that- many preachers they don't preach the full counsel of God; they preach snippets. They they use his counsel as a backdrop for what they themselves want to say. As yes, if, yeah. As if the full counsel, uh, you know, is not enough. As if the Mona Lisa doesn't look enough, I need to draw a mustache on her or whatever. You know, <laughs> I'll fix it. <laughs> but. If, if Paul says he's free because he preached the full counsel, if that freedom from the blood of all men, should we not assume then that not preaching the full counsel convicts you of the blood of men? Yeah. Ooh. Um, and so these who who do this, who don't preach the full counsel, need to be held accountable. But now, I mean, they're not held accountable to me. That's what people tell me all the time. You're not their judge, and I'm never claiming to be. They're not accountable to any man or any word of any man. They're They're accountable to the full counsel of God. They're accountable to uh, the word of God. I'm not judging them. I am trying to warn you to stay away from them. It can be viewed as compassionate because I'm trying to spare this man your blood. It's very serious business. And and I do take that very seriously. I mean, if, if, if when I preach, I am so cognizant of the fact that, that I'm speaking for God. And, and I'm very aware of the gravity of that. And I, I use jokes. I mean, I criticize a lot of these preachers for joking too much in their sermons, and I, I throw in jokes every once in a while. Um, but I, you know, I criticize them when they, they've got the full counsel of God here, and then they spend ninety-five percent of their time just rambling and telling jokes, and five percent devoted to that full counsel. So I, I'm, I get accused of people saying, "Oh, you think people should just get up there and be all Presbyterian and not crack a joke or whatever," but. That's not it at all. I mean, you use those things to present God's word, but the focus is is very great. I mean, it's God's words. It's it's the words that He spoke. You know. Yes. Yes. And I think that a lot of them are in the habit of name dropping. That they'll have this perversion of emphasis, like you're saying, it's going to be about some sort of temporal blessing. Um, it's not going to be about eternal consequences or eternal blessing. It's going to be obsessed with the temporal. And then they'll name drop the cross or name drop or something that he did. And they're using the gospel as like a wilted piece of kale and a hideous orange slice on the plate. It's it's a, what do you call it? A garnish to try to lend credibility to the, the, the the poison they're trying to peddle. It's, it's, it's horrible. 
Yeah, Joel Osteen gives a little canned gospel presentation at the end of some of his sermons, you know. Mm. And I'm, they're like, see, he preaches the gospel. Well, that's the gospel. I mean, you, you've said all this stuff contrary to the gospel. Then you tack the gospel on at the end. Mm. At worst, you're telling people believe the gospel, and you'll get all this other stuff I just told you about, you know. You, you know what it's like? Remember Jerry Springer? Yes. yes. Like how ridiculous that show was. It's like a circus. Yes. It was all this ridiculous nonsense going on for 30 minutes. <laughs> He'd always come on at the end and sit down, you know, like all serious for like his closing statement. <laughs> and it was always like very like moving and profound and rational. Here's Jerry. Like he's just been the ringmaster for 30 minutes. He's like, let's bring it down to some rationality and logic here. So That's sort of what they do. You're They're telling like, me. You, you show me this circus for 50 minutes. Then you think I'm going to sit down in two minutes and. And, you know, put it all in perspective, you know. You're, you're telling me that show's not real? <laughs> oh wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, being from the South, there's a difference between rest and what's real and what's scripted. <laughs> That's it, One of the things that I really appreciate about what you just said, Donnie, is the seriousness of the gospel, of Paul saying that he's innocent of the blood of all men. A lot of people don't realize that when they are dealing with the salvation of other people, they take it as like, well, yeah, I'm just going to assume that they're saved and that's okay. And that's between them and God. There's just not that seriousness of you're dealing with the eternity of a person's soul. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, even beyond that, even in the, in the temporal, people's lives are being ruined. I mean, notwithstanding the fact that, they, that they've not been vouchsafed an eternal reward with, with Christ, like marriages, you know, I, 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 like, like, like when a preacher stands up there and keeps saying, you've got to get rid of the things in your life that are holding you back from your purpose, somebody says, well, my husband, you know, he's not on board with this purpose God has called me to. And I mean, I know people who've split up because of that kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so you're messing with not only people's eternities, but you're messing with their their lives like real people these are people we're dealing with you know like souls human souls it's just i don't see how anybody could take that so flippantly i think sadly too a lot of believers that have not been um discipled wander into those things because it's oh it's the flashy building everybody's there they got this praise team it's it's what's happening right so they go there they get involved and what begins to happen, all those doctrines of selfism, I like the, what you were talking about in some of those videos as far as the selfism concept, and they, I think it ruins, it's almost like spoiling a child and, and, and taking the heart of the children away from the father. You know, right? And it, right. they start being like, "Oh, well, if Daddy doesn't give me everything that Joel told me that he's going to give in, that breakthrough never happens, and that special someone never happens, or I get fired right. from the job when I was sowing seed to get the fifty dollar a week raise, and then all of a sudden now I'm disgruntled, and there's no, um, I'm not brought up to expect suffering. I'm not brought up to expect." To, to go and obey God, whether it's convenient or it's not convenient, and endure some things. I'm sitting there as a spoiled child expecting um, temporal blessing or it's not working, right. you know? Because of a perverse right. image of God. It's a false it's a Jesus. Per- it's right. a false Jesus, yeah. Right. It's so, I mean, I've discovered in this ministry, like, how, how it really blinds their eyes to the truth. I mean, uh, when you present them the truth of God's Word— they, they they hate it. I mean, they really hate it because it doesn't fit into the paradigm that's been presented to them. 
you're, that you're the most important thing. You're, you know? you're absolutely right. It's like pouring water on the Wicked Witch of the West, the, the reaction right. that you get. Yeah. I'm melting. Right. It's just, right. just a horrible right. thing. And then you're they're like, you're such a meanie. You're, you're so mean. Yeah. You know, you just destroyed yeah. everything that I was hanging on to. Like, that goes back right. to that hanging on to that time when you thought you were saved where maybe you really weren't because you did something that you thought when you were eight. Now, that's not to say right. that somebody can't get saved when they're eight. But the Bible makes it very clear to work your salvation out with fear and trembling yeah. and to right. go back. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that wasn't there. So let me go back because you're dealing with well, eternity. And I, and I try to keep that in mind when, when dealing with people through the channel. I, I try to remember the fact that this is a person who's reacting as a person who's just had their rug pulled out from under them. Yeah. So I, I try to keep that in mind and be gracious and remember the fact that God pulled the rug out from under me not too long ago, you know? So. Yeah. Let me ask you, have you seen as far as different people respond, like some eyes get open that people are like, whoa, I, I didn't like in your communication with people through comments or direct messages or what have you in, in what shall I cry? Have you seen people go from, whoa, we got out of this church or we, we had a, an awakening? I've, I've, I've heard a lot of testimonies and, you know, people have said, you know, this, what you're doing's really opened my eyes, this and that, but I, you know, it's hard to put any weight behind what people say on, online, you know, in these, in this comment format, but I've heard many, many testimonies of people who have been led out of these kind of churches. And it's always the same phraseology. God led me out of this church. Mm. God led me out or God drove me out of this church. And so the testimony is pretty much the same. It's that it's all God, you know, God's doing. Well, it definitely encouraged us. I know when, when I looked at it, I'm like, man, this is such a difference. You feel like you're not alone. You're like, hey, okay, that's true. Everything that I've been talking about, well, I'm not crazy. We're not the only, you know, yeah, five people that too, think yeah. this way. And um, and you had, you had spoken about like people in other countries tuning in. You know, I've had people like in Africa and Australia. Oh yeah. And and they're like, it's it's sort of discouraging, but also encouraging. It's sort of sad because they're like, you know, I was sitting out here and I thought I was the only person in Australia, you know, who believed this way. Now I know that that I do have a connection. It's also humbling because I'll hear stories about people in these countries who drive 100 miles every Sunday, more than 100 miles, just to go to a church that's doctrinally sound. Wow. They got churches right down the street from them, but they won't go there because they're not sound churches. So they'll drive over 100 miles to go to church, and, and I complain because – I didn't get the good parking spot here in, uh, <laughs> in in Long Island, you know, at the church that's right down the street from me. So that is a it's a, it's a real blessing to encounter people from those places. It's okay. encouraging, uh, but it also makes you a little sad. Obviously, uh, we want to support you any way that we can. Um, how can people find out about you? Obviously, uh, YouTube. But what, what other ways can they help or, or find out more about you and your ministry? Well, just just uh, the YouTube channel. That's that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much all I do. I, I do some some preaching locally, and uh, I do some different things. But the, the the discernment thing is is mostly on YouTube. You know, I, I work full time at a a non. Uh, preaching job i do construction i support the ministry myself but i do have a patreon account a paypal account which i i'll put up you know just like here it is if you if you want to contribute fine if not you know i, I don't want to imply that <clears throat> that i depend on it uh, you know what i mean or or that and obviously 
I hate to even say anything, you know, but obviously want to say I'm not saying you're going to get blessed, you know, because you're, because, so uh, you know, you may get cursed. I don't know. I mean, you know, but, you um, get cursed. well, I mean, That's I just, great. you know, if people want to help out because they know it takes up a lot of my time and, uh, you know, sometimes they'll complain about my equipment, my recording equipment. I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm financing this myself. So, you know, if, if you, you know, <laughs> instead of complaining why don't you send me the money to get the new you know setup or whatever but, <laughs> but uh i mean people are very generous i appreciate everything but i don't you know people it's i mean it's free content it's out there for whatever people want to do with it and if people want to mock me want to take like my stuff and because i tell them all the time look it's free country it's free whatever the fbi thing is you know <laughs> take, take, do whatever you want man, because but i always preach the gospel you know yeah so I'm like, just as long as you don't edit out the gospel, I don't care what you do with it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no. yeah, and and God can save people when they're that that has happened when people have mocked. Oh, absolutely, you know. and and you know, Paul even addressed that that men were preaching the gospel with the wrong intentions, but they were preaching the gospel, yeah. and people bring that up to me all the time. But the difference is these men were preaching the gospel. The right. men that I'm talking about are not preaching the same gospel that Paul is preaching. No, exactly. <laughs> the opposite. No, that's right. funny. So right. hey, for our listeners, you've heard it. Sow your seed, your love gift, right? And you might get cursed. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. God does what he does. You so know. go, everybody smash that Patreon account. Come on. No, I, I do encourage anybody that uh, take a look at, at what Donnie's doing at What Shall I Cry Ministries on YouTube. Um, it's amazing stuff. We're going to pray and in any way that we can uh, feel free to support you, we will. And, and we encourage our listeners to do the same, same thing. So, Donnie, this was a blast. It was. It was encouraging. Oh, yeah, I had fun. This is my first time, too. I saw oh, her really? Show. With us? Yeah. We feel yeah. privileged. Well, with, with anybody, really. Uh, okay. I, just, I don't get many phone calls. You know? <laughs> no, well, we, we really do appreciate it. You were it. probably like, who are these weirdos? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it can be scary out there. And we're definitely weird. Our podcast, we go all over the place. But we do believe in the real gospel, and, and we cherish uh, brothers and sisters that, that stand in, in the gospel. So... Donnie, it's been a riot, man. And, uh, oh, we, yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you. And anything we can do for you in the future, you've got Glenn's contact information. And uh, Glenn, right. you got anything? I do, I do. If anybody, All we're right. going gonna to put a link to your ministry up on our website as a resource. Okay. I've talked about the resource page. Now I really need to do it. Okay. Okay, we're going we're gonna <laughs> to put you up as a resource because I want our, a lot of our listeners feel the same way, especially we have some listeners in Australia that, that see things the way that you do. And I think this would be a blessing to them. Okay. And uh, for those of our listeners that want to reach out to us, uh, we can shoot emails to Donnie if you want. Donnie, what's your email address? Let's just give him yours. Oh, it's such a weird one. Are okay. you ready? You uh, can go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go Get, for it. Go for it. It's five, F-I-V-E, loaves, L-O-A-V-E-S, and A-N-D, shoe leather. All one word at yahoo.com. That was, shoe, was leather? shoe leather. Right. But okay. I was doing the, my homeless ministry more. I, that's what I call okay. it, five loaves and shoe leather. Oh, cool. I oh, that's neat. Take Sounds like an army by, meal. Well, well, in the city. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, in the city, I, I do a lot of walking, you know, so I carry stuff on my back just walking. And uh, and it sounded cool at the time, but I didn't know how weird it was going to have to be spelling out that email. Every time somebody asks, you know. Hey, it's cool. Hey. It's memorable. Exactly. Five yeah. loaves and, and shoe, shoe leather. leather. At, right, right. At, at Yahoo. At, at Yahoo. Yahoo. Okay. 
And for those of our listeners that would like to reach out to us or uh, reach out to Donnie through us, you can email us at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. And you can check us out at lithoscry.com. Donnie, thank you so much. Oh, thank you all so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah bless you, man. It's been, been great. lithoscry.com.